They're a little bit loose, a little bit unstrung, and they've probably had a few beers beforehand. Please welcome Matt Crummins and Tom Fancy Pants Puck with yet another episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Adventure. I can hear you almost better than ever. Although, can I hear some fine dining happening in the background? <laughs> I wouldn't call the Virgin Australia Lounge at Melbourne Airport fine dining. However, I do have a coffee in hand, so I'm a happy boy. Oh, very nice. Well, and we hear uh, the clinking of, you know, a, a silver cutlery. You'll know that my lunch has just been brought to me and that I'll be uh, happily enjoying that during the podcast. Do you hear a bit of munching and like a cow is on the podcast? That's just me enjoying my lunch. Oh, lovely. You know, we should dedicate a little segment to that where we just we just sit here quietly and listen to your mouth sounds. You know, that's actually a thing if you go on YouTube. Do you like, know, I don't it's like high, high fidelity eating sounds. I don't want to know what you're searching up on YouTube, Matt. No, I'm not even kidding. It's like a whole, it's a whole thing. It's called ASMR and it's like a people record. I don't even know how they do it because they must have these incredible microphones, but they put... They essentially eat like really textured foods and the sound effects are like, it's ridiculously vivid um, sounds of people eating. Yeah, it's a whole art form apparently. Sound, I can't stand listening to other people eat. Oh, and this is this is not the same though. Just trust me. You've got a couple of minutes in the lounge. Just just <laughs> put on some headphones and listen to the mouth sounds look, of another human. Full it's... of great tips, Matt. Thank you. That's uh, very exciting. <laughs> You've made my week. What a great way to start the week. You've you know what? The three people who are listening to our podcast regularly have now just given it up, and they're just on YouTube listening to ASMR now. So uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, given it up because they've gone. If that's the standard of content that these two are delivering each week on their podcast. We're out of here. We're not going to yeah. 45 minutes of our day. So, so where is this lovely aeroplane taking you, Thomas? Uh, this time it's taking me over to Perth in Western Australia. Oh. And I shall be driving up the coast towards Shark Bay for yet another, well, two aerial photography workshops. So a place you know very well because you've done a lot of your best work there, as you know. Well, I had the best inspiration, so, you know, that helped. <laughs> That helped. I think it's called plagiarism. I think we should, that should be a topic for next time. <laughs> Straight up plagiarism. Yeah. I, I reckon, uh, yeah, well, you know, I wish we could get a, we could get a guest, a guest on for that, I reckon. Yes, I think we should get like a copyright lawyer or something onto it, you know? No, I, was th- I was thinking of maybe a photographer who's, a, who's notorious for it. But anyway, that's, that's another one we could do is get the lawyer. Maybe we'll get them, maybe we could get them both and have them battle it out and we could have who like would a. That, who would that be, Matt? Who would, we, oh. who would we be getting on as a guest? Oh, look, I'm not going to name names, but I've seen a few very similar photos around and, um, you know. Really? Really? Yeah. Come on. This is juicy yeah. goss. No, I'm not a gossy person like that. I just like, set, I just like putting the sparks in it and then letting you use your imagination. I don't, I don't get into the, the hardcore gossip, the name-dropping you, you part. You light the match and then just watch the wildfire take off, hey? That's it. You can light a candle or a wildfire. It's up to you. Okay. Well, yeah. I prefer candles, Matthew. I like to keep yeah. peace. As you know, you do. You do. What, now, now tell me what's happening. So WA, it, it's bloody miserable. I'm sitting. I've actually been outside this morning, basically sitting in the rain. Um, not voluntarily, by the way. Oh. Tell me, is Shark Bay looking any better? I did check the weather forecast, Matthew. This was after I'd packed my bags. So what's the point? And uh, I did see that it was going to be about 25, 27 degrees. So oh, bit, that's a bit, bit, bit sweaty. It sounds sweaty in the jockstrap. 
perhaps. But, uh, <laughs> I'll do my best. Uh, I, I was worried as I carried my rather small overnight bag to the counter this morning that I perhaps hadn't packed enough. But I've got used to, or at least I'm being disciplined in trying to just bring one of everything, a few pairs of jocks, mind you. But I was going to say, uh, uh, and socks as well, that, that kind of gets the multiples. Uh, I get one pair of hiking socks to wear during the day and I get one pair of um, dining out socks. Oh, so over the course of two weeks, you've got one one pair of socks for, for the daytime. There's a thing called a washing machine or at least, you know, the basin in the bathroom. I guess when it's 27, everything dries almost instantly, doesn't it? It does. It does. <laughs> right. uh, it won't be too bad at all. I don't think there I bought a pair of bathers. I should have bought a pair of bathers. Nah, you probably won't. You won't need bathers. You won't I'll, need bathers. I won't have time for that. Yeah, you never you never wear bathers when you send me that that um <laughs> typical token workshop selfie anyway, do you? So uh... Do you know what? I only thought about uh, that the other day because I think I was going through Nick Fletcher's Facebook feed because I don't see his post. I've, I've blocked him almost. And uh, there was a photo of me with my head in my hands on stage at BFOP and some unveiling of some rather inappropriate photograph that somebody sent privately to you and you decided to make it public. So, yeah, so mm. I was about that the other day. Mm. I'm gonna, um, can I just say that was an example of plagiarism, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. I'd ripped off your famous photo that you sent me in the, in the spa pool so this is not as weird as it sounds to everyone at home by the way like i know that you're probably getting a bit of a vibe um but you know we we're, we're both happily partnered and um this is just you know <laughs> this is just one of those escapes on the side you know little <laughs> yeah, broke back mountain stuff happening <laughs> yeah speaking of which not well not speaking of which um we are going to be, you and I are going to head off on a little photo shoot hopefully this winter, which is the first for us. It is. It is. Um, it's, well, yeah. I, I mean, I'm kind of scared, to be honest. <laughs> you should be. Did you check out that link? No, I haven't. I'm scared to check out the link. I think just the words that were said kind of, um, you know, when I say scared as well, I like being scared. So this is not a not okay. me bailing on you. This is just, um, you know, that, that the, the sort of the anticipation did just you letting watch, it kind of build. watch the video that I posted online about me getting my camping gear ready yesterday? Oh, to be perfectly honest, I don't really have online in my world that much. So, um, no, I didn't, but I will go onto your socials and I'll check it out. Okay. I, I gave yeah. you a mention. I gave you a mention. Oh, so. yeah. I just don't go on there, though. That's the problem. Do you know how many times I go on Facebook and it's got all these people have tagged you and stuff? I'm like, I have no idea what's going on. And then by the time I click through to it, it's so old that there's no point in me responding. Why don't you make sure, why don't you set it up so people can't tag you? Oh, I didn't know you could do that. I think you can. There you go. That'd be amazing. <laughs> amazing because you're just so popular. Oh, no, it just makes me feel bad. I just get the guilt because, like, by the time I get their message, them, them saying, oh, Matt, here's this thing. I'm like, I've, it's like two weeks old or three weeks old, and it's no point in me responding because they've already got their problem solved or, yeah, right. or whatnot. So, yeah, it's, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it sort of feels like false advertising. They tag me and then, like, they think it's doing something, and then it really just doesn't That's go it. It's not falling on deaf ears. That's it. That's oh, it. So, where, so, tell me, Thomas, we'll tell everyone. What are we doing this winter? This winter we are proposing to walk from Mount Hotham to Mount Bogong in the winter, obviously snow uh, across through the orchard, down through a very steep gully apparently, up the other side onto the Bogong High Plains, through um, Cope Hut area, Wallace's Hut, Falls Creek, and then onto Mount Bogong, something I've never done before. 
in the summer or the winter. Um, but uh, we'll follow our nose and we'll make it. You know, we'll just we'll just wing it. Should we'll be work right. it out. Yeah, yeah, it should be right. Yeah. And well, tell tell me with this, right? We're up high. Um, you can see everything along the way. Is this through Mount Cope? Do you go through Mount Cope? Yeah, well, Cope. I know Cope Hut, so I presume that's near Mount Cope. So yeah, I think I've I been out. Why do you ask? Oh, I'm just looking at Google Maps and just trying to say the scale, and it's quite a large scale. <laughs> Um, you right. know, when you kind of look at a hike and you're like, oh, yeah, cool. So about 500 metres in, it does this and that. This one's kind of like, oh, at about 10 kilometres in, it does that. <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm not sure it'll be um, easy, but I think the first part is going to be the hardest day one where we have to go from Hotham. Maybe if anybody is listening out there could give us a little bit of a, yep, this is what you need to be aware of, you know, a few tips. And if someone if someone writes in saying beware of the cold or something, just, just you can probably stop. We we, we get the rough vibe of what we're doing. We do have two bad days. The first day where you have to walk along that spur down into the gully and then back up again towards Mount Cope, and then the second bad day will be from. Can you see Nelsey N E L S E North of um, Creek? North of Falls Creek. You then North have to go. Falls Creek down through sort of Roper's Hut. It's called Big River Track Crossing. You have to walk through that and then up onto the boat, Mount Bogong. Yeah, that'll there be you go. as well. Yep. I can't see – I don't think this map has that level of detail on it. Um, right. But that does sound like a lot of fun. I think that we're going to have a good time. <laughs> as long as we get good weather, I think we're going to be in for a good time. Yeah, right. I think uh, not, not such good weather might make it more interesting. It's 60 kilometres and a four-day hike in the summertime. Well, I think it'd probably be the same distance in the wintertime, wouldn't it? Yes, but not four days. <laughs> not four days, smart-ass. You don't, think, what, you don't reckon you can knock out 15 kilometres a day in winter? Uh, Matt, how much snowshoeing have you done? Uh, I don't have this, snowshoes, have this, not snowshoed. This, this is what I thought. Is it, it's a lot slower, is it? Uh, well, yeah, it can be challenging, particularly if you're going up and down. Are they like ski boots or are they more like hiking boots? Um, they're, well, they're not. You're wearing your own boots. You're just strapping your your feet to the shoe. Oh, they're kind of like skis, but they don't go forwards. <laughs> to lift your feet in order to go anywhere. Oh, right. That's really interesting. That that looks actually quite painful and horrific. Has anyone else googled this as they're listening? Google it. Um, Google what? Snowshoes. No, it's they, not painful. What? Yeah, don't, don't. I mean, they look, honestly. They're like you know, tennis rackets on your feet. Oh, the one that I'm looking at, these ones are from Vipole, and they honestly look like a cross between a mouse trap and something out of Home yes. Alone. <laughs> <laughs> There's some pretty serious spikes and things going on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you need them, particularly if you're going down or up very icy trails. Have you considered that maybe we could, we could do cross-country skiing for this instead? Oh, friggin' hell no. Oh. No way. No you way. said there was a nice steep descent in a, like in a it's gully. Funny. When you've got like 30, 20, 30 kilos on your back, you don't want to be skiing down that. Yeah, okay. You will end up just going down on your ass the whole way. Well, that seems pretty likely with these snowshoe things as well, to be honest. They look theory, really... That's what I'm thinking is going to be. Mm. Yeah. Oh, okay. It'll be fun. Well, sure. you know what, Tom. My my goal then is to get my fitness up for this because uh, I'm I'm not too I'm not actually too bad, but uh, but I I feel like this is going to be more of a challenge than what I'm used to. Yeah, it will be. It'll be mm. a challenge for both of us. But I'm glad we're doing it together. Oh, I found yeah. it. 
the graphical map, as in, you know, it shows you Ooh. the elevation. Right. Um, that's not too bad of a dip there. That's not too bad there. Oh, yeah, no, it's not too bad. It goes. This doesn't sound very exciting for our listeners, but... No, um, no. 1,800 yeah. down to sort of 1,300. So there's a dip of about 500 vertical metres. That's quite substantial. Yeah, but I reckon I could fall down that pretty quickly. And then going going from eighteen hundred meters at about the forty k mark, you go from eighteen hundred meters down to down to a thousand meters, and then back up again to nineteen hundred meters. That's gonna be a killer. I reckon we'll be good. I reckon, and you know what? We're gonna we haven't told them the most exciting part. What's that? We'll, um, we're going to try and vlog it, aren't we? We're going to try and do this as a bit of a, a, a podcast. This sounds like we're copying uh, that other, you know shall not be named podcast no no but they don't do anything exciting they just sit there on zoom and just yap at each other we're actually going and getting into the real world with our people you know you know what on a serious note i did think about that it'd be a good opportunity for um you to video lots of me and i can talk lots about you know snowshoeing and camping in the snow and photographing in the snow and stuff like that it can be the tom show yeah definitely that sounds good and then i just for like everyone's kind of reference of what an average human would be experiencing i'll just whine and bitch in the background (laughs) (laughs) and you can just go oh my god do we really have to stop again how long does it take to take a photo for goodness sake matt get your finger off the (laughs) epurb glad you said epurb anyway look we should um I just, by the way, before we move on, All Trails is a is a website that is generally sort of like the go to for any sort of walking. If you want to check out a trail of any sort, um, Mount Hotham and Mount Bogong classified as hard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but for who though? For who? Do they know who we are? Do they know who we are? I know two fat middle aged men. Sixty two kilometers elevation gain, two thousand two hundred and thirty meters. Yeah, right. There you go. Well, look, it has got a 4.5 star rating, which is great. No one said one star, which is good. Um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm confident. I'm confident. And you know what? I think that the best part is we're going to get some lovely photographs along the way. Well, we um, hope so. It'll as be long as you're happy to carry my lens bag, we're good. I'll be taking one camera, one lens. That's it. There'll be barely room wow. for the camera. That's what goes in right at the end. And we go, oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot camera. I was busy, too busy thinking about surviving first. Now, just correct me if I'm wrong. You don't have to carry water, would you? Because you just melt the snow, right? No, never carry water. No. Yeah. No, you can. So, it takes a lot of time to use up a lot of fuel, but ideally, you just uh, fill up at little water courses and things along the way if you can find them. Right. Yeah. Cool. Well, well, well all right. this is kind of a bit of our topic for today, isn't well, it? As well, it's a nice little segue. You were away last week photographing and running some spectacular, stealing yeah, all my clients, by the way. Um, workshops in bright and you had some inclement weather so we thought we'd talk today about um, those sorts of conditions and how you deal with them yeah yeah it's really you know what the first question that people had was what rain jacket should i get for my camera and i just (laughs) i wanted to know tom do you own a rain jacket for your camera i do actually funny you say that when i was at home yesterday uh, i needed a me day yesterday so mary had some stuff to do she went off with kiara um, she invited me along and said, I really need you to just stay at home. I found um, just a little insight into me and my um, personality, so to speak, is that <laughs> I need about a week to spend at home just giving back to me. Otherwise, right. I'm, I'm just not, I'm not good 
uh, otherwise. So I, I, what did I do? What was my perfect day? I sat up in bed, I think I had a coffee with Mary, and then... You know, this this is all about camera rain jackets, just, just to make sure you... I know I'm getting there. <laughs> Thank you. I will okay. get there. Yeah, that's all right. I'm just checking. Just checking. Long way around. Sit on, and then I sit on the little Ottoman day bed and I pull out a few books from the bookshelf for inspiration. I think I took out a Chris Bell book on the Tarkine um, and a couple of others, uh, one on Cradle Mountain, not my book, another book. And um, I'm really into shooting wide-angle lens stuff at the moment again. And, uh, and I thought, right, I'm going to sort out the garage and sort out my camping gear. And it was everywhere and I did find my little rain jacket for my camera that I barely ever use and the reason I do I don't use it is a I think it's pretty silly to be out with your camera in the rain anyway because it's probably just going to get leakage at some stage and that's controversial well that's how I killed my last Pentax so I've killed two like round one in Port Phillip Bay and then the second one I think I just left it out in the rain too often dried it off I thought enough and just enough water got into the motherboard and just zapped it. Mm. So so I think um, if you're going to be out in the rain, I think it's easier to have a small umbrella that you hold over yourself and have the camera on a tripod rather than trying to fiddle with those waterproof covers because they are very fiddly, aren't they? They're very fitted. They also, um, most of them, and I'll say most of them because there are some pretty expensive ones out there that yes. probably do a much better job. But for the ones that most people buy, they actually get really steamy. Like they get oh, yes. really condensation-y and then yes. you can't really see what you're doing anyway and then it's all like gross and wet and sticky and just, yeah, it's not yeah. very, it's not a great experience no, usually. Yeah, and, and, you know, if it's raining that hard, you probably should be taking cover as opposed to trying to take photos. You know, like, think about it. If you're taking photographs in the rain, and I'm just contradicting myself here because I stood out on Saturday morning and Saturday afternoon, evening, taking photographs of Ollie at hockey and my new camera and lens got drenched. Um, but if you're standing out in the rain taking photos, it's probably it's probably creating that sort of fogginess mm. of the lens that it looks like you've smeared the lens with Vaseline anyway. It's not going to be overly clear. There's a difference between photographing in fog and mist, which looks awesome, versus rain, where it tends to look a little bit SHIT. Yeah. Yeah, well, I do. Although the other week we were shooting in, it wasn't really heavy rain, but we were um, on Mount Buffalo and the little flame robins were all over the place. Like they are Unreal. everywhere at the yeah, moment. Like right. everywhere you look, there's a, there's like 10 of them. Yes. Um, but they were sitting in this really, really dark little spot and um, the rain was coming down around them. So, of course, you get a little bit of motion blur with the rain. Yes. And, um, yeah, it, was, it made a really cool shot. And we did do a bit – we had to do some shooting in the rain because, of course, well, our options are just to not go out or to get out there. But I actually agree with you with the umbrella thing. If it's really windy, the other great one is actually using a poncho rather than a rain jacket because then you can stick your camera under the poncho. Yes, I'm always sticking my camera underneath mm. my rain jacket or inside my jacket if I'm not using it just to keep the water off it. Yeah, but you'd have to agree though, right? So people, you know, get a bit worried about their cameras. I'm going to say 100% if you have an entry-level camera or even just like a – you know, um, a non-professional version of a camera. In most cases, the weather ceiling is non-existent yeah. or pretty average. It is. But when you go to the pro cameras, there are some really amazing weather sealing systems. Um, right. I'm going to say Olympus, I will call out as being the best weather sealing I've ever seen. Yes. When I used to work there, we used to, as a demonstration, wash them under a tap. 
Um, okay. So they can, they can, they're fully weather sealed. They just can't handle pressure. So they can handle being wet on any direction, but they can't, um, if you submerge them, the water pressure would break the seal. Right. So as long as there's no actual water pressure on it, then yeah. um, then it's all right. But it, it's pretty pretty incredible though, because I think um, you know this week or last two weeks has been a great example. On week one of my bright boot camp, we actually had really sunny conditions, which was amazing for Astro. Got out there, saw Aurora um, for the first two or three nights. Um, it was insane. But the days were really really sunny, and it actually made it very hard outside of taking some lovely kind of autumn leaf and, yeah. you know, autumn colour shots. Yeah. Even then, fog tends to bring out that autumn colour in a much more moody way. Yeah. And so the group that came up this week, on the first thing on the Monday, they were all like, oh, Matt, you know, <laughs> pity we don't have last week's weather and, oh, will the rain go away? And admittedly, it was raining a couple of days. It was a bit heavy on, on one day in particular. I think it was Tuesday. It was pretty heavy in the morning. But I said, guys, this is the weather you want to be out in because – there's nothing more boring than a blue sky. Yes. And nothing more challenging to photograph in than a blue sky. Yeah. Maybe not for aerial. Aerial's probably good for blue skies, is it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Aerials. Aer- most of the time you want um, that sort of conditions. Say Shark Bay, for example, because then mm-hmm. the light penetrates in through the water and gives you that colour that you're after, that pop. Um, but but having said that, you can you can photograph aerials, for example, on an overcast day, and um, although you don't have any shadowing, which is rare in aerials anyway, unless you're photographing early morning, late afternoon. Um, if it's overcast, it makes you can brighten the image to make it look like it's shot during sunlight anyway. So um, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm with you. I I give me a cloudy, overcast, moody day over anything that's bright. Oh, good morning. No, I'm not going to Sydney, thank you. Um, yeah, sorry. Just hold the line, please. Yeah, we'll just, we'll just wait wait for our <laughs> rude interruption. Um, if, if, you know, uh, so for example, I was down at Flinders Island last week doing a, a little mini workshop. Yeah. We had four days of beautiful sort of skies, some high cloud, sunshine, and still weather, which is unusual for Flinders Island because it blows a gale most of the time. But hence the reason we went in autumn because you do get those days. But I was wishing for some other weather, which we got. And one of the most spectacular shoots we had was we went up to the top of a lookout called uh, to a lookout called Walker's Lookout, and that was just before sunset. It rained. It was continuing to rain, and then for five minutes and then it stopped raining and we had some really moody conditions just before the sun went down, which was awesome. Mm. And I would much prefer to photograph in those rather than anything else. You think about, you know, I've mentioned this before on a podcast. I went pretty deep into Peter Dombrowskis' work about 12 months ago and hence why I got, you know, really inspired to shoot those wide-angle shots with the strong foregrounds and went out and bought that Fuji camera for that purpose. Um, he's, you look at a lot of his shots. He's a lot of mood in his pictures, a lot of mist, fog, overcast conditions, as opposed to as opposed to the sunny stuff. So yeah, and, 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 you know, we talked about that with Mount Buffalo, didn't we? Oh, totally. And you get, you get the, the cloud breaking up as well at those really moody days where it's like inky black skies, yeah. and then like little bits open up, and that's where the color comes from. Yep, yep, and and you know, and if you've got um, some some um, overcast conditions with a bit of saturation, for example. Again, down at Flinders Island, we had some rain and then it was overcast, but then 
the color of the lichen on the rocks was super saturated, like no saturation oh. needed whatsoever. Mark Gray wouldn't have needed to have touched that saturation. Oh, should I bleep that out? Should I bleep that out? Is that that's um is that a def, is that a defamation lawsuit waiting to happen? Well, <laughs> if they want to argue that they don't use a saturation slider, that's fine. <laughs> Let's prove that point. <laughs> I was, when I said they, I was referring to Kenny D as well. But anyway, um, look, we all use it. Don't worry about that. Just uh, some need to perhaps temper their use of it. Um, <laughs> it was, I slipped. All right, I slipped. <laughs> um, what I'm saying is, no, no, love them both. Love them both. Um, what I'm saying is that um, it was just super saturated, and it, you'd find the same at Buffalo. If you get a little bit of uh, rain on that foliage, and then you put a a polarizing filter on. Oh, does that color pop on the Ugh, so, uh, polarizing so, filters are the bomb when it comes to even the autumn leaves? Yeah, just to get that little bit of shine off them as well. Um, yeah, but especially as you say, when it's a bit of bit foggy and whatnot, it kind of looks very flat, can look a little bit meh. Yeah, as soon as you whack that polarizer on as well, I'm just let's it. It. if I was going to go to Buffalo at any stage, at any time of year to choose, I would go winter autumn slash winter over spring summer any yeah. day because again that mood i mean when i did that recce for bfop last year and i was walking through those beautiful boulders up top you know those mm. walks you do and there's all that mood it's just it's so appealing yeah it's yeah. so sexy it just mood in a photograph as we know you know comes from um overcast or inclement conditions it, it, you know obviously you can get mood in any any type of weather but um if you've got mist and fog, rain, what have you, it just creates that that instant feeling through the uh, through the camera there or through the. I think, and that's it. I reckon unless you, unless you're trying to get like a postcard shot of a place, you know, the blue sky, beach, you know, you just want it to look, you know, tourist happy. It really does need something else in there, and I think that's why you know even when you get to summer. Um, it's very difficult to shoot because you have such, you know, early sunrises, late sunsets. They don't last very long. But yeah. on the flip side, if you go somewhere like a bit more tropical and in summer you end up with a stormy heat, yes. um, the storm clouds, that that is what creates those shots. And I think you've said this a few times on the podcast and um, I've certainly adopted it as well where it's the best day to be out there shooting is the one you probably don't actually want to be out there. <laughs> yeah, when it's inclement. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've said it before too, the best light comes often after storms. Yeah. It's just so clear, like it's energised, the atmosphere is energised and it's so crystal clear and you get this pop of light that comes after and then you've got dark clouds on one side and you've got the light on the other and you get that super high contrast between the, the sun sunlit landscape versus the dark clouds in the background. That's exactly what happened up at Walker's Lookout um, the other day. I'll post it on – if you could post, we'll post your flame robin picture if that's okay. Yeah. Illustrate yeah. that. That'll go on to the um, po podcast group page there on Facebook, people. We'll put it up on there. And then I'll post my shot from Walker's Lookout and um, – You'll just and you guys it. can compare them and um and vote. Who's your favourite? Okay, we'll put a vote up. Okay, <laughs> let's see. Let's see where our listenership lies with all of that. We'll get uh, this right. We had we had even one more than that. So we actually had last week. We had really really rainy conditions at one point. We had incredibly foggy conditions on a couple of mornings, but then we also had um, some cracking clear skies on the Thursday. Although the moon was in the wrong spot for that Milky Way, so it wasn't perfect, but. The one that absolutely cracker, we went up to Hotham and it was blizzarding snow, Ooh. like blizzard snow, which 
admittedly was probably the coldest I've been in the last maybe four years. Right. Um, it was, you know, I was like describing, you know, when you thaw out sausages and like <laughs> they just, there's just the outer part of them starts to defrost a little bit, but they're still got a really solid core. That but was, they're freezing cold. That was my fingers. I was just like, I, I almost had a nibble just to just really, to see. Really? Okay. It was really, um, it was it was like frostbitey. Um, I think we had on our app, it was saying um, with wind chill, it was negative 12. Oh, um, nice. So it was pretty, pretty brutal. But my gosh, in terms of the actual photos that we achieved, one of the things I really loved about it, especially in the Australian bushland, and a lot of the, the workshop participants um, commented on this as well, was... Australian bush is actually really difficult to make look pretty because it's very beautiful to be in, but it's very complicated and cluttered. Yep. Whereas the moment you add something like fog, that essentially gives you the equivalent of a really shallow depth of field because it just blurs out or just fogs out to nothing after the first couple of layers. So you can kind of really isolate your subjects. Yeah. And then snow does the same. You know, you've got this really complicated ground where it sticks and leaves and grasses yes. and weeds yep. and everything. And it's yep. like you get that bit of snow on it. And now you've essentially got a beautiful canvas with these amazing trees poking very, out of it. Very minimalistic, but also too makes it super easy to walk around because you don't have to stick to a trail. Yeah. Snow covering all that vegetation, you're free to go wherever you like. Absolutely. A feature of our walk. Yeah. I, so, to the advantage of being in overcast conditions, as I was teaching the guys down at Flinders Island, is that you've got all day to photograph, particularly in winter. Yeah, light so is good. Soft. And if you go further to the south, like, you know, Flinders Island, Tassie, you know, South Island, New Zealand, etc., um, that light is just so super soft that even if it does come out during the middle of the day, you can still continue to shoot. But mm. you've got, if it's overcast, moody conditions, at least you've got all day to shoot as opposed to the summer. And I feel sorry for the Perth people in particular and everyone who lives up north or wherever it might be sunny for sort of six months of the year. You get like half an hour in the morning, half an hour in the afternoon, and that's it. The rest yeah. of the day, forget about it. I mean, unless you get up in a plane and shoot areas. That was one thing we found on our WA trip um, last year. It was actually incredibly challenging um, photography conditions because we did go in, well, we went in winter. Um, but even then you, you got some beautiful light first thing, some beautiful light last thing, but in the middle, I reckon we saw about three clouds in three months, um, yep. by the time we yes. hit Perth and it always, yeah, probably like Geraldton, I think actually further north than Geraldton, there was no cloud whatsoever. And yeah. so it, it just had such a we massive impact because you think that you've got this war. We'll just, we'll just, uh, wait for them to, uh, cancel the flight and then, um, get back to this. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Oh, it's, it's, it's one of the plights of being being famous, isn't it? You know, like, you know, always happens to do work from airports. And, I know. You know, I know. Yeah. It's terrible, isn't it? In fact, I've now reached uh, gold status as a virgin uh, flight, <laughs> uh, you know, attendant. Well, not a flight attendant, but, you know, passenger. Um, but I'll, <laughs> no, I'm not probably not going to keep that either because I'm not travelling as much this year. Believe it or not. I um, don't believe it. But, um, don't, but yes, but... But that was really challenging. We just had blue sky and, like, you could get the most amazing features in the foregrounds. And, you know, it was just – I really freaking got to these 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 gorges and stuff. I'm like, this is amazing. But with, with nothing in the sky and really harsh light, crazy hard to capture. I'm thinking to myself, all I would kill for right now is just to have a massive storm come and dump, you know, a whole bunch of rain on the horizon line <laughs> and cover that sun up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. Hey, doubling back to the um, idea of buying yourselves a 
you know, a cover for your camera mm. if you offer it. And I would only probably recommend a cover, rain cover for your camera if you were somebody who was like wanting to get out and shoot a lot in the winter where it does rain a lot and you were sort of like keen to shoot a lot of waterfalls like Adam Dyson does, for example, um, where you might, you know, be patiently waiting for the rain to stop as opposed mm. to shooting in the rain. There's Think Tank, which seems to be a popular brand. I've got yep. one called Aquatech. And then um, there's also Peak Design, which is, uh, I know, a brand you know and love and probably sponsored by. And yeah, no, I'm not. And you know what? I'm actually <laughs> I'm actually going to say that the, the Peak Design one, I actually have one. So right. I've got three types of um, rain jackets because I use them. I actually hand them out of my workshops like as loaners because some people get really nervous about their cameras. Yeah. Um, the, oh, the peak design one is actually not really it's sort of designed to be worn over your camera as you're walking around but not whilst you're shooting yeah so, you can't get access to any of the controls and things no like it can't access anything yeah right and, you know but but it's sort of like the the lens hood area is open so you can sort of shoot through like you can like there's no um cover on the end of the lens so it feels like you should be able to shoot through but you can't access any settings or buttons okay. or even the viewfinder yeah so it does feel a bit strange and I think the idea is you kind of like lift the back of the skirt up and you kind of then can shoot. But it feels a bit odd. And even on the Sony, which it's perfectly molded for almost, I actually think it was a bad decision. I've got it. I've never used it actually in the rainy conditions because it just doesn't feel very convenient. The two that I've used before, um, that I one of them is from, it's just an Amazon cheapie. It's six bucks. Um, it has like a little clear window with armholes, yeah. handholes. It's based on the Think Tank design one, right. but it doesn't have any breathability. So it gets very foggy and humid in there. So you need to yeah. sort of manage that. Right. Um, and the other one that actually, you know what, I find to be the best because you so very, very infrequently actually need this. Yep. You can buy disposable plastic ones and they're made out of essentially a plastic bag that are molded in the right way if you can. Right. They are really horrible. Yes. And they are really inconvenient to use and they make a horrible sound and they look cheap and nasty and everything's bad about them except they are tiny they weigh nothing and for the one or two times you need it it's just a really easy one to have in the front of your bag and you just don't even notice it's with you you probably forget that you have it with you or anything you're really Um, you're really selling it matt well no the thing is it's like it is 100 percent waterproof it is unlike you know some of the other ones which don't have um they're not they're not fully waterproof you know um these are so i think it's it's not something the water doesn't soak into it eventually or anything like that it just yeah it's just a plastic bag so it kind of does the perfect job you know sometimes i think we need in photography we have this feeling like we need to go and buy a you know a very high quality very specific product for every need and it's like half the time you just go you know you don't you just need something to get you through this next 10 minutes and Yeah, sometimes the um, the cheapest option and then the, the most, yeah, I'll say the nastiest option is is often just the right one, you know? Yep, yep, yep. Hey, uh, you know, don't forget the old shower cap as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, someone cap. had a shower cap the other day. That was actually good because, yeah, bungees around the back of it too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. That can easily just be thrown over a, a, a camera. And, again, very lightweight. You'd forget that it's even in your bag. So that's yeah. definitely worth Hey, the, the price difference on some of these things is enormous. So, for example, crazy. there's a, a cheapie on Amazon for $57 Ultra. It's 
called, A-L-T-U-R-A. The Peak Design one, the, sh- the sh- medium size. The shell. Is, yeah. yeah, the shell is like 80 bucks, so that's pretty reasonable. The Aquatech that I suggested, the small one, is $305. That's <laughs> and crazy. They have, they have different sizes. They have medium, large, and extra large. Um, oh. I hate to think what the prices are on those ones. Um, but, yeah, guys, unless you're doing a lot of shooting in the rain and you're like your camera's constantly getting wet, you probably don't need to invest in something that expensive. No, um, that's I it. do also want to say before we wrap up is that you you don't want to be leaving your cameras out in the rain for an extended period of time unless there's, there's you know it's got good weather sealant. Most of them don't. No. So as Matt said earlier, the um, Olympus is obviously very, very good. Um, the top end, and I'm talking about the top, top end cameras, perhaps like a Sony, uh, these the Nikon Z9, the R6 probably in the Canon would have all that weather, weatherproof sealants as well. Um, but you certainly don't want to leave your camera out forever in the rain and just expect that um, it's going to look after itself. No, and one of the worst ones actually is um, zoom lenses that extend, so not ones that zoom internally, yes. um, but the ones that extend out. People yeah. often get those and they and they go and like collapse the zoom so it sucks Correct. all the water back in. Yes. And I just think to myself, oh, it doesn't matter how good your weather sealing is, there is now water inside that lens. And yes. especially if you go and then take that lens into a warm environment and that water starts to evaporate, it'll create yeah. humidity inside the lens and you're gonna end up with issues. So Correct. it's um yeah, there is actually there is a couple of brands now um, that make uh, dehumidifier cases. Like they're quite cheap. They're usually designed for people who live up in the tropics. But if you do find that you're the person who loves going out in really wet conditions, um, or you are not great at treating your camera great out in the field, which is probably me, um, yeah. it, it is not the most ridiculous idea to consider something like that. I think. Um, right. Because, you, you know, as you say, you dry the outside of it, but there's always residual water around if you're doing some serious, you know, outdoor stuff. Yeah. Um, that's not to put people off doing what, you know, getting out there and shooting in the rain and things. You just got to be, you know, conscious of it, but not scared of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 100%, 100%. Oh, well, Sydney, Sydney, anyone, Sydney? <laughs> well, I reckon that um, given that you're at the airport and you're going to get nipped off to your flight soon and um, I'm not at the airport, so I've got to go and have a cry into a glass of wine. Um, uh, at, at 11 yeah. in the morning, good work, Matt. I love your <laughs> It's actually not even, it's 11.27. Um, but yeah, mate, we'll wrap it up there. That sounds good. I think I we've got off a few good things there today. Hopefully our three listeners have got a bit of value out of that. Yeah, well, I reckon they might have. Do you reckon, okay, so what's, if you had to sum this up, what are your top three things to do with weather? And then I'll give mine. We'll go, we'll go, maybe we'll do one at a time. You go one, I'll go one. Oh, oh shoot in moody, overcast conditions. They're the best. Yeah, I'm going to say watch the forecast more than anything. You know, you can, you can get your location right, but make sure your eyes are on the forecast and know that the rain especially if it's heavy rain, not like crappy, just misty raining all day, but like heavy dumping of storm rain. Perfect. I haven't. I, number two, bring a shower cap. Have a shower cap. We do it all times. Yep. And my number two is going to be um, the time of year that you should go out shooting in my, you know, the most really is over this period of time when you don't probably want to be out there from late autumn right through to probably early spring when we're getting um, the diversity. Last week we had fog, rain snow and sun all in four or five days and i've got the most crazy diversity in that portfolio yeah. from four days of shooting. Yeah. awesome i think the yep. third one that i didn't mention during the podcast would have to be invest in a good rain jacket um you know, like a you personal do, one not a, not a camera one a personal one no, a personal one yeah mm. you do you do sort of um 
I, I took one to the Overland track last year that was quite old and the waterproofing had in fact sort of like worn off it, even though I hadn't worn it often. Mm-hmm. Or um, it just wasn't waterproof anymore. But, you know, you might need to spend five dollars $600 on a good jacket. This is if you're out hiking a lot. Um, but it's well worth the money and it'll last you 10, 15 years. Yeah, I'm going to say the exact same thing, um, but not jacket. My third one is going to be um, to have a look at some of the things that can make you comfortable when you're out in those conditions. So one big one that we used all week were the little um, chemical hand warmers. Um, They are disposable, so I hate to say I don't... They they say they're eco-friendly ingredients because I think it's iron filings or something, but um, they they come in plastic and whatnot. So I'm not going to vouch for their environmental impact, but um they're two bucks a set you shake them up they last 10 hours and you stick them in your pockets they're also really good when you if you stay out and you end up with clear skies that night if you strap a little hand warmer onto your lens it prevents it from fogging up oh uh, that's a good huge one huge problem in the cold is is fog so um correct yeah you just we just use a bit of electrical tape yeah and um it just yeah prevents that that fog because what the bad part is especially in astro stuff at night you don't realize your lens is fogged up until you're no. home and you realize you, your photos are a bit hazy and they're not yeah. recoverable no no mm. all good you can also get those um hand warmers as feet warmers as well to put you under and body packs too they've got body, body pack ones now as well they, they stick on yeah <laughs> but funny 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 story i had someone who so you, when if you dive in winter and you're in a dry suit in melbourne you obviously can't get into your dry suit when you're diving and uh, there's a bunch of people who were putting these chemical hand warmer things on the body packs. They were strapping them onto their kidneys. Like you just stick them onto your back, right. which is fine, and you're on the surface. But when you start going down, there's a lot of pressure in your suit. Pressure. Yeah. And um, so the, the the suit squeezes a bit or can squeeze a bit. It's called suit yes. squeeze. Yes. Out in the box. Um, and, uh, of course, those little hand warmer chemical things, they can get really bloody hot, especially under the right conditions. Right. And um, people were getting down to their dive like 35 metres or something stupid. These chemical hand warmers are sitting there on their kidneys and they just get hotter and hotter oh, and no. hotter and hotter and you can't do anything about it. It's just sitting there starting oh. to just... Oh, oh. Don't. Yeah, so um, yeah, probably not a great idea to stick them in your dry suit if you're an underwater photographer, but um, sure. but yeah. Really good for just when you're out and about doing your stuff. You know, works yeah. for your camera, works for your hands, keeps you warm, keeps you happy. Awesome, that's what we want. All right, thanks, Matt. Great to hear from you. And uh, you have we'll a wicked trip. Mate. Yeah, enjoy Shark Bay. I'll be in Melbourne just um, doing things in the cold. I will send you lots of naked selfies. No, oh, that'll warm me up. <laughs> <laughs> See you, mate. Bye.